Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. God actually was meeting me at several different points in my life. I remember when this happened. I remember when a person said that word. I remember when that experience happened. And they can kind of look back and see the footprints or see the handprints of God on their life in a way that maybe they didn't recognize at the time, but when they do come to the point of surrender, they're able to look back and it's undeniable that God has been pursuing them. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Gopher Ministries, who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services, who does all of our financial accounting. Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained. And Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up and don't know what to get them? Well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to ChristinaPereira.org slash podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me. He is the president of Jessup University and the author of the book, Grace Ambassador, Bringing Heaven to Earth. I have with me here today, Dr. John Jackson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Christina. I just have been looking forward to this opportunity to talk with you, to chat with your listeners and share some things that God is doing in our planet, sometimes right next door. Mm, I love that so much. You know, it's such an honor to have you with me here today. I've loved reading through Grace Ambassador. I told you earlier when we were just talking, I absolutely love the title to describe that New Testament believer today as a Grace Ambassador. I love it. Well, I thank you for that so much. And I think I indicated, you know, for me, I've been carrying what I would describe almost as a burden, like a burning in my heart, like I have yeah. a vision for this, but I have not been using the words Grace Ambassador until just in the last several years. The word ambassador maybe is not something that a lot of us here in the West are as familiar with. We think about government, but boy, Christina, the scripture is full of references to how we represent God in the everyday. And that idea of being an ambassador, I think it's really rich. Mm, so good. So good. Well, I've told our listeners a lot about you today. Can you share with them something personal just to help get to know you? 
Yeah. So I know sometimes people are worried about their age. I'm not. I'm 61 and I've been married for 43 years. Now I've got a bunch of kids too. So if I say to somebody, gosh, so-and-so got married at 18, that's usually a really scary thing. In my case, marriage matured me and my poor precious wife had to end up maturing me as well. So we've been married 43 years. We have five children. Uh, we have four grandchildren, three granddaughters and one grandson. And then we've got one more a grandchild and it'd be another granddaughter on the way. So we're so excited. I tell people all the time, I love Jesus. I love family and I love the church. And when I say I love the church, I mean, I love the church, big, small, gathered, distributed. I'm just a lover of the people of God everywhere in everyday life. Mm, I love that so much. I love that so many people, when they come on here, they talk about their families. And I think it's so precious to me, the idea of family. And, you know, it's so straight out of the heart of God, that unity that connected, that oneness, even between the Godhead. And I love that so much. And I do think it is that the core and the heart of God. And I want to give an encouraging word right now. If maybe a listener's out there saying, gosh, you know, I don't have the mom and the dad and the two kids and the dog and the cat and the white picket fence that we all envision as family. Well, the scripture mm -hmm. says this, God sets the lonely in families. And part of what I believe is we all have a natural biological family. And sometimes that was awesome. And sometimes that was awful. But he also makes us a part of his family. When we come into relationship with him, we get new brothers and sisters or more brothers and sisters. We get new moms and dads. And so, you know, it's the heart of God to have you be in a family, whether that's your biological family and a family of faith, or whether that's simply your family of faith because your biological family has had some challenges that have been disruptive. I just want everybody to hear God sets the lonely in families, and that's his heart for you, is to have some relationships that are loving and meaningful. Mm -hmm. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I've hung on to that scripture. You know, He's so good, and he's so kind, and he will step in, and he will be that loving father to you, or that tender friend that you need at just the right moment. That's who he is. And Christina, I love, I don't know you that well, and you don't know me that well, but I just already know that you have an intimacy with the Father, that you know his heart, that you felt his tender touch. And it's confusing to some people, but while Scripture refers to God primarily in the masculine, uh, what we might think of, quote, some feminine characteristics are regularly and consistently applied to God throughout Scripture. So I think the fact is, is that God is strong and tender. God is bold and protective, and he is nurturing and comforting. There's no dissonance there. That is the nature and character of God. And if I could, without trying to preach too much, in the very beginning, it said, let us make man in our image, male and female, he created them. So that's the nature of the Godhead, is that he embodies all that we might imagine as the best, the most holy of maleness and femaleness in the best sense of those words, not sometimes, sadly, what we've made them, but the best sense of those words. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it is true. Like He possesses both that feminine and that masculine, and he always uses it correctly in the right way and with such grace. Everything yes. he does is with such grace. He's authoritative without being harsh. He's kind without being servile. He is beautiful while still masculine, you know? Yes. Love, love, love that. Yeah. So good. Well, I've told our listeners so much about you. I have to ask, 
how did you meet our beautiful Savior Jesus? Oh, thank you for asking. And I'm a little embarrassed about what I'm about ready to share, but it is my story. I was born and raised in small to medium-sized Baptist churches, literally, Christina, and I'm not doing one ounce of exaggeration here. Between the ages of zero and 16, I went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night, and I was never allowed to miss. My parents were pastors, and they just said they had committed to the Lord. We would always be in church. So you might think, by the way, that I'd be rebellious, but the exact opposite was true. For me, I was age seven. The Lord worked in a church worship service. I went forward, and I'm ashamed to admit this. This is the funny part for me. I went forward. I told my dad that I wanted to rededicate my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, well, son, you've never prayed to receive Christ. And what I told my dad was, oh, I didn't know you had to do these things in order. So here's the craziness <laughs> of the churches I grew up in. We had invitations every single week at the end of the service where people could come forward. And I knew God had moved on my heart as a seven-year-old. What I didn't know was that of the four things you could do at the end of the Baptist churches I grew up in, you could receive Christ, you could rededicate your life to Christ, you could ask to be baptized, or you could ask to join the church. Those are the four things I knew about. And so I didn't know you had to do them in order. I just knew I wanted to respond to Jesus. Yeah. So, Christina, and when I was seven, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 1968, I was baptized in November of that year. But it was many years later, by about age 14, and I know that sounds terribly, terribly young, just like age seven does, but Christina, at age 14, I truly did re-consecrate my life to Jesus. I was an athlete in school. I was somewhat popular, pretty, pretty good in academics, pretty good in sports. And I remember thinking, Christina, I'm a pastor's kid. My life is very different than a lot of my other friends, but I want to faithfully live and love Jesus and live for him every day. So I rededicated my life. One of my memories of that stage, Christina, is that I took my Bible with me on every away game that we were playing. I was an athlete. And so when we traveled on buses, I would bring my Bible and read my Bible before the games and tried to witness and share Christ with my friends. And so I gave my life to Jesus at age seven. I rededicated my life at age 14. And when I was 16, it's a much longer story, but when I was 16, Christina, I felt God calling me to be a pastor. And that is not what I wanted. I wanted to be a pro baseball player. (laughs) Uh, And I, I know this for some of your audience, maybe this language will sound strange, but Christina, I heard the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but in a way that I've never doubted, he spoke to me and said, I want you to serve me full time with your life as a pastor. And I said, yes. And that was the beginning of the journey that now is 45 years later. Mm, I love that so much. You know, all of our stories are so different. And I just want to encourage you out there that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your relationship with him. And just like you were sharing, it's up and down. It's a back and forth. It's not always in the right order, according to some. Yeah. But it's always perfect and it's always on time and it's always his way. I love that you're saying that. And I want to just add maybe one more thing to listeners. When you get to the point in your life where you realize that God has been pursuing you and you say yes, and you surrender to him and say, you know, God, what is your plan for my life? When all that happens, I've always had this experience, Christina, that when I'm walking with people on that journey, they look back and they say, you know, I didn't know it, 
but God actually was meeting me at several different points in my life. I remember when this happened. I remember when a person said that word. I remember when that experience happened. And they can kind of look back and see the footprints or see the handprints of God on their life in a way that maybe they didn't recognize at the time. But when they do come to the point of surrender, they're able to look back and it's undeniable that God has been pursuing them. Mm, I love that you mentioned that. That's so important. You know, I've looked back and seen it in my own life, and I've heard so many say it. And I think sometimes we take things for granted, and we have to realize that He is so intentional towards us. And He knows how to woo each and every one of us into the relationship, into what He has for us. And, you know, it's so interesting because He deals with each one of us so personally. I can talk to a friend, and they're like, oh, He's this way with me. He's always true Jesus style. And, you know, with others, he's always so tender and kind in different ways. And it's just so interesting and beautiful. And that's why this is revealing Jesus, because, you know, he is revealing himself in each one of our lives. And it's such a privilege and honor to sit down and hear from so many different people laying down their lives for this living, loving Savior. And really, Christina, as you said, it's a privilege and it's also an amazing recognition that even though people are very different, you might look at somebody's background. You know, I grew up in church. Other people grew up in the streets. I grew up with people pushing me towards God, and maybe other people grew up with people pushing them away from God. But whatever the journey has been, to realize that God makes himself known and that he loves deeply and fully each and every one of us. I just think of one of those simple scriptures in the Bible that I'm sure you and your listeners think a lot. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. And then it goes on to talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But then John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, that the world through him might be saved. And wow, Every single person, no matter where our journey started or the middle or wherever we feel right now, God loves you and he's pursuing you. He cares deeply and passionately about you. Mm, Yes, absolutely. So good. So good. Well, I have absolutely enjoyed reading through your book, Grace Ambassador. I felt like the heart of this was really after reforming the church and into what God always created it to be. Can you tell me a little bit about what you hope people see in this book? Thank you so much, Christine. And thank you for recognizing, by the way, my not so subtle agenda to (laughs) see the church reformed. Yeah. Uh, You know, if you're a history person, you probably know a little bit about the first reformation was back in the 1500s. And one of the things I say in the book, Christina, is that in the first reformation, I think we got it pretty well that It's about grace received, that salvation is by grace that we receive through faith. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. It comes with his compassion and love and tenderness, and he gives us forgiveness. So that's grace received. I think that we didn't do very well in the last 500 years understanding not just grace received, which is so critical, it's the foundation, but we didn't understand grace distributed. And here's what I mean by that. Christina, I kind of want to change the metric of what's going on in the church. Mm-hmm. And there's a passage in 1 John that talks about babes and sons and fathers. And so I want you to think about this. Babes, sons and daughters, fathers and mothers. 
it's sad to me, Christina, that we often think about people spiritually. And if you were to consider most churches, we may have some babes, we may have some sons and daughters, but very few fathers and mothers in a spiritual sense. And what I want to say, Christina, is that God longs for every person to grow to maturity. He longs for every person to be a fully reproducing carrier of the grace of heaven. God loves people so much that he didn't leave the planet alone. He sent Jesus. And then after Jesus left, he said, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send you another helper, the comforter. And this is so strange, Christina. I mean, it just boggles my mind to even say these words, but it's straight from the Bible. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us if we're followers of Christ. And so I think what Jesus did when he left is he gave his spirit to everybody who loves him. So I think, Christina, in your life, and I know this about you, my life, and everybody who loves Jesus, in your everyday walking around life, your work, your family, your neighborhood, your gym, whatever you do for recreation, you carry the presence of God. You literally carry heaven to everyday places on earth. So good. You know, that's absolutely what Jesus died to give us. You know, yes. he, he died to give us his spirit and bring him into that relationship with him. And not only that, but he gave us a spirit so that we can continue the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, yeah. Christina, that's that core passage in Second Corinthians chapter 5. It starts at verse 16, 17, which says that we actually are new creations in Christ. And it even uses the phrase, we are ambassadors mm -hmm. of reconciliation. It's like in that passage, Christina, it says God was literally begging us through God or begging people to be reconciled to God. Yeah, so good. Yes, yeah, so good. That's absolutely it. And, you know, what compels people to come into the Father is the goodness of God. It is the grace of God. It is the mercy. It is the favor. It is the forgiveness. It's everything we don't deserve. And yet he gives it to us freely because that's oh. who he is. Amen and amen. I want to say this, you know, Romans 2, 4 says it's his kindness mm -hmm. that leads us to repentance. And Christina, I got to be honest, and I love my Baptist heritage. I absolutely honor my Baptist heritage. But I knew a lot about Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And I knew that what that meant is that I could be forgiven and that I'd spend eternity with the Father and not eternity separated from him. But to be honest, just to be very honest, I didn't know hardly anything about the fact that not only did Jesus come to die on the cross, he came to demonstrate what intimacy with the Father was all about in everyday human experience. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you literally are walking and talking with God every day. And Romans 2.4 says, it's actually not me thundering judgment that brings people to God, it's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. When you see how much God loves you, Christina, when you see how much he deeply, radically, gloriously loves you, by the way, and again, we don't know each other that well, I don't know your stuff and you don't know my stuff, but he does. And in the midst of all of our stuff, our brokenness, our pain, he loves us so deeply, so fully, and longs for us to be made whole. Wow, that's what leads us to repentance. Mm, so good.
So good. And you know, that's it's one of the most beautiful things I love about the character of God, that he's so kind and so merciful to us, even when we don't deserve it. You know, I too grew up in the Baptist church. I was saved at the age of seven, and I was called to preach sitting on a Baptist pew. Wow. And I had to go through a lot of training about the things of the Spirit. I think you're right. I think some areas of the church have done a marvelous job evangelizing to the foot of the cross, but we've not gone fully through to the ascension. And it's really important that we go through fully to the ascension if we are to see the church reformed, if we are to see the world around us reformed, because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't meet the needs of the people around us. And by that, I mean, we can't minister healing, we can't minister deliverance, we can't minister anything that they need. And, you know, that's why so much of my ministry and so much of revealing Jesus is encouraging everyday believers to go out into the world and reach the world around them. You had some marvelous quotes up on Grace Distributed, and I just want to read this real quick. The Reformers also said that they believed in the priesthood of all believers with direct access to God to scripture, and to ministry. While glorious ministry has come these past 500 years mingled with tragedy and pain, the Protestant church has also demonstrated by our behavior that we do not fundamentally believe in the priesthood of all believers as we have declared. Can you talk about that? Get ready to take your faith to the next level. As you sit at Jesus' feet, your faith will grow as you hear his word Commune with Him in prayer and feast upon His faithfulness. In this beautiful journal, you can record your time with God. It includes 52 weekday entries, which can be used as a week or a day, depending on your preference. Record the scripture you're reading, your response to it in prayer, and a journal page plus an answered prayer section to record Jesus' faithfulness. Grab your colored pencils and Bible and be sure to get creative with the images. This journal will be a powerful memorial of your relationship with a living and loving Savior. Be sure to pick up a copy of At the Feet of Jesus Worship and Prayer Journal today. Links in the show notes, or you can find a copy at Amazon or ChristinaPereira.org slash store. Oh, yes, I can. And boy, your words are just stirring me. You you don't know this, but my wife is a trained inner healing minister. And so many times we have what we often call a truncated gospel. It's a gospel of salvation, mm-hmm. but it's not a gospel of healing and deliverance. And I really believe that the heart of God is to redeem, to make the broken whole, and to be able to carry his love and grace and healing into every atmosphere that we go. So when I talk about the Reformation specifically, Christina, again, I believe in the priesthood of all believers. We have, every single person who knows Jesus has direct access to the Father. And we said that we believe that. And again, I had the privilege of being licensed and ordained in Baptist settings at an early age. And so thanks be to God. I appreciate that. And we have good doctrine, but Christina, quite frankly, I think that just as you said, I'm going to use your phrase, we've taken people to the foot of the cross 
in some settings. And that's wonderful. So wonderful. But we have not gone all the way through to the ascension. And the reason why Jesus told his disciples to remain in Jerusalem is that the Holy Spirit would come upon them with power. When Jesus says, greater works than I do, you will do. What could he mean by that? Oh, my Mm -hmm. goodness. But here's the truth. There are now billions of followers of Jesus on the planet. And literally, we have the power to bring heaven to earth. It's not about us. It's never, ever, ever about us. It's about him. So I love your show, Revealing Jesus. It's about making much of Jesus. The scripture tells us that Jesus himself said, if he was lifted up, he would draw all men unto him. Mm -hmm. Healing, grace, atonement, salvation are found in Jesus and in his cross, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit comes. So when I say that we failed, what I mean is this. We believe, we don't admit it out loud, Christina, but by our practice, we actually have shown that we don't believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that amazingly anointed teacher, that gifted worship leader, that great healing evangelist, those are the amazing people. But us everyday regular folks who sit in the chair, sit in the pews, listen by radio or by TV, we're just regular folks. And Christina, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission for what I sometimes call a full employment policy in the body of Christ. Amen. So let me just quickly say Ephesians 4. God gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people for the work of ministry so that the body can be built up to full maturity. And then here's one more verse, by the proper working of each individual part. Christina, the body of Christ, the household of faith, does not fulfill its ultimate kingdom of God potential unless every single person discovers why. Why did God make me? What? What has he called me to do? Who am I? Why am I? And we hear his assignment. And that's why, Christina, it's so exciting. Every day, there's a conversation. Every day, there's an opportunity to pray. Every day, there's an action we can take where we get to bring heaven to earth. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You know, I'm so excited that you're saying that you're preaching after my own heart because God has hidden gifts and abilities and talents and fivefold ministers all around us. And we need absolutely every single one of us. I can't fulfill my call without you. You can't fulfill your call without me. You know, I can't fulfill my call without Joe down the street and being who God created him to be because God has so authored it in this end time, that there would be this cross-pollination, this building up of the body of Christ until we come into the fullness of who we are in him. And oh, I love that. I share a very quick practical story. Yes, absolutely. And then I want to talk about the fivefold ministry and how you want to see that reformed and where you okay. think we need to go from there. So good. So here's a quick story. People say, well, how can I do this? Let me give you one illustration. I used to be a server in a restaurant. I worked in a small little diner many years ago. And so I was a short order cook and did some serving. So because of my job now being president of a university, I'm out in restaurants meeting with people a lot to go. And I've done this before. But in seven months ago, Christine, I started saying to the servers, uh, you know, I asked their name and I say, I like to pray for my food when we receive it. But beyond that, I've also decided I want to pray for people who serve us. So is there one thing I could pray for you today? Christina, that's all I say. In the last seven months, I've had people literally stop and then tears start coming down their face. Mm. 
Mm. I've had a couple of times people said, excuse me, just a moment. They walk away from the table and I think, oh my goodness, I've offended them. But actually they come back and they say, you have no idea. You have no idea what I'm going through right now. And the idea that somebody would pray for me and then others immediately share. Sometimes people are awkward. And so I'll just give you a quick little line I use. If somebody says, I don't know, I don't really have anything to pray for, or I'm not really into prayer. I'll say this. Okay. I'm going to pray that today you will receive more tips than ever before. <laughs> and, you know, no server is going to object to that because right. having been a server, tips is what you live yeah. on. So I just say that, Christina, to say in the everyday, in the everyday, just bring the love, the grace, the kindness of the Lord, offer to pray. Sometimes I've had really amazing conversations. Other times it's just literally 60 seconds. But I think we bring the presence of God into those everyday simple circumstances. Mm, I love that you shared that. And just listening to you share that it was just so breaking my heart because if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, people are so hungry. I get agitated when I hear people say things like, oh, this younger generation isn't hungry for God. But the truth is, is they, they are. They're so hungry. Well, Christina, there's a recent report from George Barna that came out on millennials. I'll just give you one stat from that. 78% of millennials are deeply longing for their life purpose. Christina, that should be so, instead of being defeating, that should be so encouraging to the people of God. That should be so encouraging. 78% say, I desperately want to know my why. Why am I here? Yeah. You know, the truth is, is that discovering your purpose in Christ and what he's created you for, there's nothing like it. I talk to people on this podcast all the time, and we always joke around and say things like, when you live your life for God, you're never going to be bored. He's, you know, constantly doing things that just wow you. And he's constantly asking you to take steps of faith and take risk and go out in over your head where he will show up and do the impossible in your life. And it's truly the most exciting place that you can be. And I'm a millennial. And I just want to say out there, this is for you. This is for absolutely every single person who would believe. That's what Jesus yeah. died for. So, so good. I'm just right there with you. Oh, good. Well, back to my other question. The Lord has, the Holy Spirit's taken me through to the fivefold gifts. Yes. How can, you know, traditionally in the past, in the church, we've seen the teacher and we've seen the pastor. How can we see the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist in their rightful places? Yes. So first of all, I think just saying this, you know, when we think about church movements, we say, oh, that's a word-based church. Or we go to other movements and say, wow, they're full of the spirit. I just, I want to use other words for just a moment. I want to be full of grace and full of truth just like Jesus. yeah. And I want to be full of the word and full of the spirit, just like Jesus. Your show is about revealing Jesus. Your conversation is about revealing Jesus. I want to be full of the word and full of the spirit. So the word in Ephesians 4 tells us there's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors and teachers. Why? They were given to equip people for the work of ministry. So here's what I would say. There are equipping gifts in the body of Christ. And I think the fivefold ministry has an office, a response, an accountability within the body of Christ. But by the way, Christina, this will be hard for some and easy for others. I don't think that means they become famous, mm -hmm. except for we honor them, of course, as we honor everyone. 
but we honor people called to those responsibilities. And we say, your job is to equip the body. So we have lifted up pastors and teachers, and I honor pastors and teachers. And if I could use improper English, I is one. I think I, you know, have, I've had pastoral titles. I've had teaching, I have teaching gifts, but I also have an apostolic gift. And that's a really hard thing for some people to hear because they struggle. Do you mean apostle like Paul and Peter? Me personally, I don't mean that, but I do mean I'm a builder. I'm mm -hmm. a person who extends the kingdom of God into new domains or prophets. What do I mean by prophets? There are people who speak forth the word of God and see and discern. They're like the men of Issachar who understand the times and know what to do. They're people who speak words of exhortation and encouragement. And then they're evangelists. Oh my goodness, Christina, there are people, we easily think of Billy Graham and Greg mm -hmm. Laurie and that's, but I wanna say there are people who have a special anointing to lead people to Christ, but also to equip people for the work of ministry. So what can we do to lift up the fivefold ministry? I'm convinced of this, Christina, in every single county in America, in every single city in America, he has placed people who have apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching gifts and assignments. Let's find them. They may not all exist in one local church, but I know that I know that I know, Christina, that they exist in every community. Mm -hmm. Let's find them. Let's empower them. Let's release them. And again, their job is not to build a platform. Their job is not to become famous. Their role in the body of Christ is to equip people for the work of ministry so that the body can be built up to maturity. Mm, yes, absolutely. And, you know, it kind of brings this thought to mind right now. God is so powerfully using media right now to take part in this cross-pollination. So good. And so right now, God is raising, especially the apostolic. And I just want to say this very, very quickly. In the past, in some of the charismatic churches, there's been this tendency to glorify the apostolic office. But the truth is, if you read the words of Paul, we are the most to be pitied. We are the ones who are beaten, who are cast out, who go hungry, and who yet still go on. Because yeah. truly apostles, to truly be an apostle, you are servants of all. And we all want the part of that we read in scripture about, well, there were signs and wonders that followed them. What we mm -hmm. don't want is the beatings, the imprisonments, right. and the burden of all the churches. Right. <laughs> and, Absolutely. It's, and it's not a menu that you get to pick from selectively. No. And it's not something that you get to choose yourself. You will often notice right. who you are and how he chooses to create you. And so, you know, looking at your book with the Reformation, a lot of times apostles are reformers. And they teach and they speak with apostolic authority based on the foundational gospel teachings. So if you see somebody like that, that's who they are. A lot of times the prophetic, like you said, the sons of Issachar, they have the ability to discern the times and seasons and visions and things like that. But within that, you can have an apostolic leader with a prophetic gifting and a heart for evangelism. So I don't really, you know, it can get a little, a little messy. That's right. That's exactly right. You are spot on with that. And again, we want to be respectful and honoring. People come from a variety of traditions. I would just say, whether you're in a Reformed, an Evangelical, a Charismatic, or any other stream or no stream, just read the Bible. Read Ephesians 4. Just be really sensitive to what the Lord is saying, and then look for people in your life. Though Again, those apostolic leaders, I love both caution and encouragement. 
I've struggled sometimes, just my own struggle, Christina, is the prophetic. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean somebody's prophesying, you know, six months from now or 10 years from now? And yet I've had just an increased sense that in the New Testament, the prophetic is so often a word of exhortation and encouragement and challenge and coupled with a word of knowledge that, and again, you have to read 1 Corinthians. And I do a lot in my book on these things that I think will be helpful to the readers. Mm, I think so too. Absolutely. Well, we could just go on and on and on. I've loved this conversation. I feel like you and I could be great friends. I think we could. (laughs) Is there anything burning on your heart today that you'd like to say directly to our listeners? I want to speak a word particularly, thank you, Christina, for the opportunity. And I want to speak a word specifically to those of your listeners who know Jesus and who love him. I want to say this. It is the heart of God to love and redeem the world, not to condemn the world. And what I mean by that is not that God is not holy and just and righteous and that there are moral laws in the universe that God established. I absolutely understand and believe that. But I think sometimes, Christina, when people describe Christians in our current world, they use four words, mean, angry, condemning, and judgmental. Yeah. Now, I think that the media has sort of tainted that. Media is so critical, as you said earlier. But I want to say this. Christians are not mean, angry, condemning, and judgmental. If we have the heart of Jesus, we're redemptive. We're loving. We are deeply burdened to see people come to a saving knowledge. To go back to that Second Corinthians passage, we're literally ambassadors of reconciliation, begging people to be reconciled to God. And that's my hope for those of us who love Jesus and name his name. Amen. I couldn't agree more. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said those of us who have received his heart. Yes. Because there's a really big difference in calling yourself a Christian and being a Christ follower. There's a very big difference. That's right. And unfortunately, some people have taken some things and they have been that way to people. I've seen it. Right. You know, and my heart truly goes out to them because that is not the heart of God. That's Um, right. I echo your words. Thank you for saying that. Would you pray for our listeners today, whatever God lays on your heart? I'm good. Father, I thank you for your great love for us. Jesus, I thank you for coming to earth and dying on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and set free. I thank you for being raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for indwelling those of us who know Jesus. So, God, I pray right now that for those of who are listening to this, who know you, who love you, who have received your love and forgiveness, I pray that you would just fill us up with your grace that we would literally be grace ambassadors every day to the server in the restaurant, to the attendant at the gas station, to the person at the gym, to our neighbor, to our family members. Just fill us up with grace and help us to be your ambassadors. And Lord, I know there are probably many, many who will listen to this who say, man, I don't even know what that means to have a relationship with God, to have a personal experiential encounter and to have the love of God to pour into my life. So, Jesus, right now, I pray that this would be that moment. Would you come to that man? Would you come to that woman? Would you come to that boy or that girl and just speak to them? Let them know that they are deeply and richly loved by you. And now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this conversation. I thank you for Christina. I thank you that her deepest heart 
is to reveal you. Holy Spirit, would you minister to her? Thank you for her ministry. And I pray, God, that you'd increase favor and expand the lives that she could touch because I know that she carries your heart and I'm grateful for her. So we thank you again for the privilege of this conversation. We ask that you take our words and that you'd multiply them in every way that honors your name. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, who loves us and gave himself for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was so good. I know that's going to touch so many people out there. You're welcome. God bless you. It's been such a rich conversation. Oh, you too. I've loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christina. Well, I hope and I pray today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast and resources in the show notes on cpnshows.com under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Dr. John Jackson. And don't forget to pick up a copy of his new book, Grace Ambassador, Bringing Heaven to Earth. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.